We talk a lot on this podcast about chess improvement, but when it comes to improving your hiring processes, Indeed is the platform you need. Indeed has over 350 million global monthly visitors, and it has a matching engine that helps you find quality work candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with your candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Years ago, when I was running a chess teaching business, I found it hard to find good help, and I had to go through a lot of back and forth to even screen potential candidates. Indeed allows you to do those things efficiently in one place. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed for hiring, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of Perpetual Chess will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility if you go to Indeed.com slash chess. Just go to Indeed.com slash chess right now, and you'll be supporting our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast, Indeed.com slash chess. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone. I am Ben Johnson, and this is the Perpetual Chess Podcast. Perpetual Chess is a weekly chess interview show where we talk with accomplished chess players, authors, and personalities about their lives, their careers, and how to improve at chess. Perpetual Chess is brought to you through the generosity of its Patreon and PayPal supporters and by Chessable.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Perpetual Chess. We have one of my favorite modern authors, Joining us this week, I think a lot of you will be familiar with at least some of his work. He is a grandmaster, the two-time, uh, a two-time Swedish Olympiad team member, and he has written four books that are all excellent. He has written uh, "Pump Up Your Rating," co-authored "The Woodpecker Method" with Grandmaster Hans Tikkanen, um, "The E3 Poison," and this year he is out with a new book with Quality Chess. All of his books are with Quality Chess, and this one is called "Street Smart Chess." And I am excited to talk about all of them. He also saw a very impressive rating gain in his early 20s. So he's, um, he, he uh, walked the walk in addition to talking the talk. Um, he raised his rating from about 2,100 feet A to 2,450 in less than two years at that time, as, of course, is famously discussed in Pump Up Your Rating and Woodpecker Method in particular. Um, and of course, his friend Hans Tikkanen also had some great success. So without further ado, we'll be discussing all this stuff, but let's welcome him to the show. Grandmaster Axel Smith, how are you? 
I'm fine, and thanks, Ben. Nice to be here. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited. I'm a big fan of your books. Um, and so we were just discussing before recording. You're joining us from from Sweden, Axel. You're native Sweden. Where in Sweden are you? Uh, we live in the southwest part of Sweden, in Lund, a uh, university city. Uh, okay, and how how is life there? How is um the pandemic in particular? Uh, I think it's fine, at least for me and my family. We are still visiting friends and uh, and relatives. Uh, with a bit more res responsibility than normally. And the kids have to stay home from school when they are a little bit sick, but uh, I think that's fantastic. You can be home with uh, a kid that is not really sick. That's a lot of energy. <laughs> right, yeah, so it sounds- oh, and, uh, and with uh, all the chess tournaments and other stuff canceled, you have more time with family. And so we enjoy that as well. Yeah, same here. I mean, as I've said on the podcast before, anyone who's in reasonable health uh, can't complain too much under these circumstances. And Axel, as we mentioned before we pressed record, of course, we're recording in the middle of the candidates, which keeps us entertained, but we're not going to talk about that because by the time yep. listeners hear about this, they will know the winner. Um, so let's get to your, your books, Axel. As I've mentioned, we're, I'm a big fan. And in fact, a friend of the show, Neil Bruce, and I even did a podcast about the woodpecker method, which of course has been um, especially popular amongst like uh, you know, uh, adult chess players aspiring to improve a very sort of... Uh, original um, approach. And of course, a lot of people have kind of followed in your footsteps. But for any listeners who aren't familiar with the famed woodpecker method, Axel, could you uh, tell its story just um, in, in brief? Uh, yeah, it was uh, my friend uh, and the grandmaster Hans Tikkanen who invented it, you can say. But of course, it was not his own idea from the beginning. But back then, we trained a lot together. And uh, when I visited him, I saw him uh, he had a lot of books about science, about the brain, and uh, also chess books. But when I asked him about his projects, he didn't want to say anything. Mm. And that was not because he wanted to keep it uh, secret. It was just because he didn't want to tell anything uh, until he had tested it on himself and he was uh, knowing more what to say. And then uh, that summer, he improved a lot. He did his woodpecker method uh, during the spring, and then he had fantastic results during the summer. And the idea is basically that you do some uh, uh, tactical exercises, not too hard, uh, and you do them uh, maybe several hundred, and then you repeat them over and over again. And for each session, uh, you repeat and you do it a little bit faster. And then finally, maybe you should be able to do them all in one day. And, and the idea is to develop some automatic pattern recognition that helps. It will make you calculate faster, but also more exact. Yeah, and I understand that, of course, uh, as you mentioned, Hans Tiekenen had great success with it, as you wrote about in Pump Up Your Rating and then Woodpecker Method. And then you undertook this project yourself, correct? Yeah, I did also do the same because I was, of course, impressed with his uh, results. And uh, yeah, it requires a lot of effort, but I had the time and I had the uh, ambition back then. And we <laughs> you, also make had, it, you make it sound like you don't have managed, those things yeah. anymore. <laughs> huh. So do you not have the same time and ambition uh, as you actually, did uh, when, in those years? Uh, when I started to become serious with chess, I did not have any outspoken goals. I was just uh, curious to learn chess, to know more. And then suddenly I had some good results and I thought, okay, I can become a grandmaster maybe in a year. 
And a year later, I was not even better than I was uh, a year before. And it took me, I think, eight years after I said that until I became a grandmaster. Uh, and when I fin finally succeeded, I thought, okay, this is, this is it. It will be very, very hard to improve uh, more. Uh, probably it's possible. But yeah, I have an other interest as well. So since 2016, I have not had any ambitions really, but I enjoy playing and I still want to win the Swedish championship. So for a month before that tournament, I'd, I come back to training chess uh, seriously. Yeah, well, first of all, I just wanted to say, I mean, a lot of people say they're going to become grandmaster and don't even make it. So a lot of us would sign up for taking eight, for it, taking eight years to do it. Um, but I know you've also, I believe you mentioned in Street Smart Chess, or maybe it was in our correspondence, that you you still do Woodpecker Method getting ready for for a tournament. So, and for example, for, for example, the Swedish national championship. So when you return to the puzzles, having done it all this time, how, how good is your recall uh, at this point? And no, it's not perfect at all. And even, even if I recognize the puzzle and I think I know the answer, I try to calculate through the variations as if I have not seen the position before. And I think that is the idea also to do that. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because I've been doing a lot of space repetition. I've done the woodpecker method, although full disclosure, I didn't make it all the way through the advanced puzzles. Um, I'm rated, I'm like 21 to 2200. Um, and, um, and I've noticed that it's a strange feeling when you come across puzzles that you know you've seen before, but you can't remember the answer. And I feel like my brain often doesn't know what to do. Should it be trying to recall or should it be calculating? So in, in that situation, what do you recommend? Uh, to calculate, I think. And I, I think it's quite normal that you remember the solution, but actually when you check uh, the answer later on, you realize that you remember the wrong solution, the one you yeah. found the last time, but <laughs> was not correct. And if you do yeah. like that, then you this is a sign that you are trying to recall too much and calculate too little. Okay. Yeah, there's that issue. Sometimes also I can remember the answer, but nothing else. Like no <laughs> no corresponding moves. I just know that what the right first move is. Yeah. And, but, and sometimes I have that feeling and even that's wrong. Yeah, okay. But then then you have to calculate because yeah, we are there to practice. It should it, yeah. it should be hard. It should not be too easy. Yeah, this is true. Um, so of course I get the sense, I don't know how many books, and of course it's also uh, quite popular on Chessable, uh, the Woodpecker Method. So I don't know how many books or courses uh, Woodpecker Method has sold, but certainly amongst the um, online chess community, it seems to be extremely popular. So Axel, I'm curious, how often do stories about people doing the Woodpecker Method reach you? What, ha what have you heard from readers? Yeah, quite often, actually. I get some pictures in uh, the key bring the book to strange places and uh, mm -hmm. some players that says oh i improved 600 points uh, when doing this book 10 times and i started to even become a member in the club for the first time uh, <laughs> I, i'm not sure if it's uh, true or not yeah well the next time someone interviews you i mean tells you that they gained 600 points have them email me because i want to interview them okay <laughs> yeah i only know um, the first name of this person i don't even know the last okay name. <laughs> well uh, we'll we'll correspond about that offline yeah um and uh your friend hans tikkanen um what's going on with his chess game has has his ambition also dialed back a bit 
Yeah, I think he also decided that uh, a life as a chess player is not what he would will appreciate. And it was his interest in science and in brain uh, made him study psychology. So, oh, so okay. since, since a few years now, he has finished his studies and works as a psychologist. Okay. So Still might be an he is not an playing much chess, uh, much chess uh, nowadays. Okay. And if you don't mind my asking, Axel, what about you? Are you working as a chess trainer or uh, just writing your books on the side? Uh, I'm an editor for the Swedish chess magazine. So that's my main income. So, okay. and, and I'm writing in some uh, newspapers in Sweden as well. So maybe I'm working 50% half time. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, so I had a few more questions about uh, Woodpecker Method. And then, of course, there's... Um, there's uh, so many other other books to discuss. Um, so one question I had, and I've I've actually speaking of um, Hans Tieken and studying psychology, I've interviewed a few cognitive scientists who are also uh, chess enthusiasts, like uh, Dr. Christopher Chabri um, and uh, Jana um, Jana from um, Thinkers Publishing. I'm drawing a blank. Oh, Jana Kravetz. Sorry about that, Jana. Um, <laughs> so, and one question I wonder is, we know from reading the scientific literature that you alluded to that uh, space repetition is definitely helpful for um, memorizing things such as opening sequences. But when it comes to tactics, um, it's, it's not as clear to me that it would be as useful as just getting better at calculating. So how do you think about the, the difference between um, pattern recognition and calculating and like how um, a player who wants to improve should balance working on the two. Yeah, I, I think uh, you're talking about spaced repetition and uh, okay, I'm not a scientist and I'm not an expert in that, but I think the point with that is to remember things and uh, you should repeat them with longer and longer intervals. It's right. Yes. Uh, you should not repeat anything too often because then it's too easy. The brain has to work to yeah to improve memory but here you're not trying to remember things you're more like trying to get some automatic pattern recognition in your brain so i, I don't think it's really the same uh, same thing uh, and here you should also not have longer uh, intervals between the sessions so you should do it quicker uh, for each time uh, Okay, and and just out of curiosity, when you do pick back up the woodpecker method, when you ramp up your training for the national championship, how yeah. well do you remember uh, these puzzles at this point? Actually, I I, I use other books as well. So I'm not only using oh, the woodpecker method. I'm using so the I, method, but I'm not only using that book. Yeah. So of course you're a grandmaster. So your your recommendations won't apply to everyone listening. But just out of curiosity, what what other uh, what other books or resources do you like? Yeah, I'm doing some of this, uh, the chess.com tactics trainer. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, then you get a random sample of exercises, but when you have made a lot of exercises, and I've really made a lot there, then you get, get them back over and over again also. Yeah, yeah, I know some people really um, pump up their ratings by, uh, by, by memorizing all of the puzzles, although yeah. I've heard that that's getting harder to do. And uh, actually, I think they are a bit too difficult, but oh, okay, they're also quite beauty when, when you find a solution uh, of a difficult yeah. puzzle. So, yeah. Now, Axel, I interview um, title players all the time for this show, and some are of the opinion that you need to do like analog training, you need to actually set up a chess set 
and a book is better than a tactics trainer. So I'm getting the sense that, that that's not, I mean, uh, you know, no one knows the correct answer, but I'm getting the sense that that's not your opinion. You're, you're fine with doing this stuff on computer. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I, I don't like screens too much, <laughs> actually, but I think for the woodpecker method, it's, it would be good to, I, I've not uh, used chessable for the woodpecker, but I, I'm, I'm sure it's, uh, it's good to do it there. Uh, yeah, yeah, I always, I mean, I, Obviously, I'm a big fan of Chessbone. In fact, we'll be taking a break to hear an ad from them in a second. But I always say tactics and uh, opening courses in particular are are what it's uh, what it's best for. Yeah, be, so because if, that, if you use a book uh, and if you want to put the pieces on a board, then you use a lot of time just for this practical thing instead of really training. Yeah, yeah. So, so point, if no. you need to go through the solutions, then it would be better to do it to do it on a screen. Yeah, and also people like us with uh, with kids running around at home, it can be hard to like uh, have the, you know, the the quiet moment to set up the chess set. Uh, whereas you can just take out your phone and do some tactics. Yeah, and when you come back, the chess set has a different position, probably. <laughs> exactly, or someone tried to eat one of the pieces, or or yeah. whatever it may be. Um, so on that note, Axel, we're going to take a break to hear from our friends at Chessable, and then I want to talk a little bit about uh, pump up your rating before we get to your new book. This is your weekly reminder that Chessable.com has a ton of high-quality material. Whether you're looking to learn a certain opening, want to see the latest Super GM repertoire that has been published, want to find a tactics course appropriate for your level, whatever it may be, go to Chessable.com and have a look around. Don't forget they have tons of cool free content too, like their short and sweet courses about various openings. And all of the things that they offer feature their proprietary move trainer technology, the secret sauce that lets you actually remember all of the new chess moves and opening sequences that you learn. So once again, chessable.com, check out their ever-expanding excellent library. So Axel, uh, Pump Up Your Rating is also quite a well-rated book, and a lot of uh, a lot of the players I've interviewed on the show have recommended it. Um, and, and in that book you list, and of course this was, uh, I believe, your first book, and in it, you list four key components of chess improvement, which are number one, analyzing your games and making a list of mistakes. Number two, using a De La Maza-esque program to study tactics, which now we would call a woodpecker method-esque um, program. Uh, number three, doing serious opening work via the creation of opening files in chess base. Now that one, for for players rated below 1800, you might need to modify that in some way. But first, I'll, I'll just read them and then we'll discuss. Number four, um, master, mastering approximately 100 key theoretical endgames. So I found that advice to be pretty useful and pretty sort of uh, holistic. Um, has your thinking evolved about that at all? Or do you stand by those uh, four tenets, Axel? Uh, what is not in the list is playing. Right, yeah, good point. And uh, maybe when when I wrote this book, uh, there was no other life for me. I was playing every tournament I could. I played some 200 games some years. Uh, and But now when I'm playing one or two tournaments a year, I notice that playing is a good way to practice. If you don't play, you are getting rusty. Yeah, I think it... I think... Uh, so add, add, play, add, add playing, of course, as number one, maybe, in, in this list. Yeah, it's easy to take but, that uh, for granted, but but I think you're I think you're right. I mean, yeah, because yeah, you, you do have analyzing your games as number one, but you need games to analyze, so... Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and for those for those end games, uh, I, 
I think it's not the most important thing, but uh, compared to the others, it's quite easy to do. To to get a good opening repertoire, you need to spend years and uh, a lot of hours, but these uh, end games, you can maybe do them in a month and then you are done. And then you need to repeat them a few times, but not much more than that. So it's maybe not the most important, but it's so easy to do. So you have to, you have to do them. Okay, yeah, because that's another one where you get some mixed reports from the people I talk to about whether or not you need to know the strictly theoretical ones or if it makes more sense just to sort of study the end game masters. Um, so do you have, I'm putting you on the spot here, Axel, but do you have any specific for people who do want to learn those key end games? Obviously, there's lots of resources out there. Do you, do you have any favorites? Uh, it was a long yeah. time ago now. I did, I, I did my own database and then I repeated from my own okay. comments uh, after that. But I'm sure there are many yeah, good books. And, uh, yeah, and, and of course, of being works. that you mentioned the number 100, 100 end games you must know comes to mind for me. Um, now... Regarding openings, and I noticed this in uh, Street Smart Chess as well, um, I think Street Smart Chess in particular is probably geared towards like the higher rated club player, I would say maybe 1800 um, and higher. Now, a lot of our listeners uh, are, of course, familiar with what chess space is, but may not have it or may not feel that it's necessary because their games are, are often being decided by sort of um, uh, tactics or um, like fairly large mistakes. Um, so I don't know if you're the right person to ask, so feel free to pass if you don't think you are, but do you, do you have any ideas about like substitutes for developing an opening file or sort of a modified version for, um, for, uh, players who are not really at the, uh, chess base, stockfish, Leela, grandmaster prep level? Uh, when I was young, I, I had my opening repertoire in Excel. Oh, wow. And uh, it was like uh, font uh, eight or six or something very, very small. And uh, it was a space for 14 moves. After 14 moves, the page was done. So I could not write more than 14 moves. And I had like five or six pages with uh, very a lot of moves there. <laughs> this was also before I used chess space. <laughs> but okay, th this is not something uh, to recommend. That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Nowadays, I, from myself, I try to be less ambitious with openings. Uh, just to read a book and then try to play it without even creating an opening file. But uh, yeah, every time I try, I finally end up making a file anyway because <laughs> this is the way I've been grown up. To yeah, do. that reminds me. I've been actually I've gotten sidetracked by some other podcast book projects, but I was reading E Three Poison um, prior to us scheduling this interview. And you say something interesting, and I, I recommend that book for anyone looking for um, a sort of um, solid setup for white that's not as theoretical. And in the in the intro to that book, you refer to chess um, op possibly entering a sort of post-theoretical. Um, so that's in that's in air quotes era. Um, so could you could you explain what you mean by that a little bit, Axel? And the the post-theoretical yeah. era. That's what was your, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, before the computers, uh, there was not so much theory compared to today. So finding uh, concrete lines and more theory was, it always paid off. Uh, and also the, when uh, the computer started to make analysis, analysis, it was more and more openings you can uh, examine. But nowadays I think it's, it's like, 
yeah, many openings are not worked out, but many lines are worked out. And if you want to surprise your opponent, it's harder to do it. So then people uh, in the, the top players, they are more trying to surprise the opponent, get a playable position instead of trying to really prove an advantage with white. And I think uh, for that reason, people are starting to play less theoretical lines than before, just, just to get a game with white, because you can't really get an advantage anyway. So yeah, yeah. I, it does not pay off. It not, does not pay off so well to go into these theoretical lines. Yeah, I I actually saw a quote from Anish Giri just the other day. Obviously, with the candidates um, ongoing, someone retweeted something where he he said when when he's getting ready for a tournament like the candidates, his primary objective is to surprise his opponents rather than so back. Yeah. And I think yeah, okay, this is what a. Uh, very best in the world, but I think also for club players, this it's some true in this because even for the average club player, there are many more books available uh, and many more. It's much easier to find games in chess base and so on. So even the average club player knows his openings much better. So you need to surprise in that level as well. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask about because I think what a lot of club players struggle with, and as a dad, I'm sure you can relate to this, is we we feel like we have. Um, we have so much, so many holes in our game to work on. And on the other hand, it's so it's easier than ever for someone to look up what openings we play. So you don't want to be a sitting target. But on the other hand, if you feel like, you know, your end games are bad, your tactics are bad, you know, you're, you know, every phase of your game needs improvement. It can be hard to be like, okay, I'm going to have three different opening lines that I'm going to trot out, um, keep my opponents yeah. off balance. Do, do you have any suggestions or is it just like an unsolvable problem? Yeah, working on openings is maybe not the most uh, efficient way, but if it's enjoyable, that's uh, important as well. And also when you work in openings, you can you work in other parts uh, of the game as well. If you try to calculate uh, in the same time as you analyze, just, just don't look at the computer to see plus and minus. Uh, and also to try to understand the type of position. You learn other parts of the game as well. So I think working on openings, it, it it's not the idea is not to find an advantage for it. It's to learn chess. Yeah, yeah. And again, that brings it back to E three poison, where you talk you talk about the fact that you're not you're not emphasizing um, memorizing moves as much as sort of learning typical structures and seeing a few games um, in action. Um, yeah. So, and of course, both in uh, Pump Up Your Rating and in Street Smart Chess, you you kind of um, lean on the work of uh, other grandmasters, players players you've looked up to. So it, it made me wonder, Axel, is there a, a player or a trainer who has influenced you more than any other? Uh, there are a few players in Sweden. Uh, when, when I was young, we had a grandmaster from Malmö, Stellan Brunel. He came to our club and he was going to play a simul. And I, I heard he played it French. So I thought it was a good idea to play the French myself. So I played one e6 and then I, I did not know the second <laughs> move. So I did not play d5. <laughs> and then I continued to play that French for 10 years. Uh, but since he was uh, visiting our club uh, from time to time, he, yeah, I looked up to him and uh, he was also the first grandmaster, I bet. It was in a rapid game, but I was very happy. Maybe a bit too happy, actually, <laughs> afterwards. Maybe not the best winner. <laughs> so sorry, what was the grandmaster's name? 
Stellan Grinnell. And so obviously, so so too happy. And I think he's a quite quite a good practical player also, so you can learn things from him. And so did he? How did you react? What did he get upset when you were uh, overly excited for beating him? Yeah, I, I think I just mentioned it a bit uh, too many <laughs> times, but uh, then then he just uh, told me, "Look at the final standings in the tournament. Where are you and where are I?" <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> yeah, and he, he was clearly yeah. ahead of me. <laughs> um, and then uh, a second player is of course uh, Ulf Andersson. Uh, we had some sessions with him uh, in Lund uh, when I was starting to become a strong player and it was incredible to see him analyze he's very very humble but he even so he has an opinion of every position he can just see a position and in no time he can uh, explain what he thinks the plans for both players uh, and his interest for chess is never ending he can yeah do chess all day yeah he's and uh, this and this is after 50 years of playing professionally so uh, yeah it was incredible to see him yeah he's an absolute legend and um uh grandmaster johan helsten i believe is um from sweden originally right yeah, yeah and he true. he did a video with uh us chess school where he goes through some of uh Ulf anderson's um uh end games and it's um it's amazing stuff definitely i'll link to that and definitely recommend uh listeners check it out um okay so axel we've we're going to hear from another sponsor we're going to hear from our friends at aim chess and then i want to talk about the new book not every chess player has a janitor to help them improve at chess like beth Harmon did for those of you who don't there is aimchess.com aim chess has a web-based algorithm that collects and analyzes your games from chess.com or lee chess and then it creates personalized study plans based on your weaknesses to help you improve it might highlight specific openings to work on tell you to tighten up your tactics or in my case tell me to manage my time better then it gives you puzzles and advice with the goal of helping you improve your chest faster. You can check out Aim Chest for free. And then if you decide to subscribe, please use the promo code CHESS30 to save 30%. That's CHESS30. The details are also in the show notes. So for now, let's get back to the interview. So Axel, I've, I've really enjoyed Street Smart Chess as well. I'm really impressed with um, the consistent quality of uh, the output of your books. And um, we should mention, by the way, that these books are available on Forward Chess, which I always enjoy reading that way. And there's also um, a free excerpt of of uh, Street Smart Chess in particular on Quality Chess and probably the older books uh, as well. But so you you um, relied on some friends for this book. Could you could you explain um, the structure of the book to our listeners? Uh, not really friends. It's model players uh, in the world's elite. So I think this book is uh, maybe discussing a theme that is not a part of Pump Up Your Rating at all. Uh, practical chess, how to play against weaker players, against stronger players, how to play when you want to avoid theory or when you want to make the game theoretical. Uh, and to do so, I, I was wanted to learn from the an expert in every field. So I contacted some players that are known to be good and in those things and yeah some accepted to uh, be a part of the book uh, some of my wishes i could not get but, uh, <laughs> i think yeah, i might I will, know one I will, of those. I will not mention any names <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's got a, a chap. You've got a chapter from uh, Grandmaster David Navarra, who uh, legendarily nice guy, who's been on the podcast. I think that was my uh, my favorite chapter: how to beat lower rated opponents. Um, from Aryan Tari, who are, Tari, excuse me, who I believe you've uh, worked with in the past. Uh, Grandmaster Adiban, Grandmaster Laurent Fresenet, um, and Magnus's trainer Peter Hein Nielsen. And then there's a chapter about Magnus, and the conspicuous in his absence is Magnus Carlson. But he's <laughs> yeah. a busy guy. We understand. Um, um, so, so amazing stuff. And as I mentioned to you in email, it's funny that you mentioned practical chess because it reminds me of the book. Uh, Secrets of Practical Chess by John Nunn, which you said you, you have not read, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit below your level at this point, but, but I think you would see um, some similarities, which is a compliment. I think they're both, um, they're both highly useful books. Again, I think it's for the um, pr best for players rated over 1,800, but there's definitely, it's one of those books um, where there's nuggets to be extracted no matter your level. Yeah, um, so, I, I will read it. I enjoy reading chess books, of course. So I will check it out. Oh yeah, yeah. I think uh, you, you'll you'll find it uh, worth worth reading. Yeah. Um, so you tell, in addition to, of course, the chess instruction, which is um, not wholly relatable on an audio only podcast. You tell some stories about just spending time uh, with these players, like for example, um, you know, going for walks in the woods with Grandmaster Navarra. And you, your general interactions with him. Could you could you share a few of those stories for us? Yeah, Navarra. He's extremely generous with his time. It was uh, nice to meet him. Uh, we had a long session there in uh, in his home city, uh, Prague, Prague. And uh, afterwards, he sent uh, me a lot of emails, uh, correcting things, improving uh, the text, improving the variations. Uh, yeah, I didn't uh, really know how to react because he was so so friendly uh, and so so generous. Yeah, very very commonly uttered words about uh, Grandmaster Navarra. I've also had good interactions with him and heard heard nothing but good things. And again, I really um, I really enjoyed his advice about uh, beating lower rated players uh, as well. I mean, he really has obviously given a lot of thought to that because he plays a lot of. Uh, Bundesliga and other league type games. Um, yeah, and then uh, Grandmaster Tari, I I enjoyed that um, you you sort of you quoted him talking about sort of the the struggles of deciding whether and how seriously to pursue chess. Obviously, he was I believe he was a world junior champion. Obviously, a top junior player, but still, um, uh, anyone who's not on a world championship track or even some who are um, might have to decide at some point so what was it like hearing him him talk about that it, it would have been easier for him to live in another country because he lives in norway one of the most expensive countries and to make a living uh, as a chess player is of course more difficult there than it is in a cheaper country uh, but i've not met him now for some time due to the pandemic so maybe he's still struggling if he wants to go ahead as a professional player or he wants to make a civil career. But I hope he will play chess because yeah, when he plays, he enjoys it, I think. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's tough. And obviously, someone, someone who's achieved as much as he has in chess, obviously, if, if he applied that intellect to other fields, there's, there's great potential in what he could do. But on the other hand, chess is a great game. And obviously, chess is booming in Norway. So 
it's you know you would hope that that players like him could could find a way to make a, a good living yeah and um, of course you should mention that as well there are some advantages to live in norway chess wise of course yes you you would think but i you know i interviewed um grandmaster yun ludberg hammer in the very early days of this podcast um probably uh uh 2017 and he also mentioned and i think like he might be an example of someone for whom things are going better because he does Twitch streaming and of course um, does some stuff for Play Magnus. Um, but he also mentioned just how hard it was um, in, in Norway in particular because it's so so expensive. Yeah. Um, did that, if you don't mind my asking, uh, I know you lived in France um, for, for several years. Did, did cost of living impact that decision or was it just your, your love of the mountains? Uh, we just wanted to enjoy another culture and learn the language better. My my wife is a French teacher, so she she speaks French. And uh, yes, no, the the cost of living uh, it, it doesn't matter for us because we don't buy things, so we have no no real cost. Okay, at all. Yeah. Uh, that's a good way to live. Um, and getting back to uh, Street Smart Chess, so I think I mentioned I, I believe my favorite chapter was Navarra's chapter, but I did find them all to be useful. Um, and these are these grandmasters. I mean, they they clearly gave you a lot of their time. They're annotating games for you in the book um, with with lots of insights. But I was curious if you had a favorite chapter yourself, Axel. I, it's the same, uh, the Navarra chapter. Yeah. Have you? I'm again putting you on the spot. But have you read his book? Uh, I think I read one book, but there is another one coming that is not really printed. I tried to order it, but I got a message that it could not be sent yet. Yeah, there's a new one that's a collaboration with uh, Marcos, I believe. Yeah, um, it is, it's that one. But I read one of his, uh, My Chef World, I think the title is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that one's supposed to be amazing. And I unfortunately have not gotten a chance to read it yet. But um, yeah, yeah, do it. Yeah, it's it's high on the list. Um, <laughs> But I, yeah. Uh, for for, for my own books, I do not really read them. Uh, the Woodpecker Method, of course, I did a lot of times. But Spirit Mode Chess, I have not really opened yet because I'm I'm afraid of finding some silly mistakes when I open <laughs> the book. Yeah, and that one was a unique um, structure because you're you're leaning so heavily on the insights of um, of the the elite players that that we mentioned. Um, so. How did you go about that? Did, was it like Skype phone calls or emails? Or I know you spent time in person with Grandmaster Navarra. What was the approach for these different chapters? I, I think I met uh, maybe half the players in person, and then it was Skype calls with the rest. Okay. If I remember correct. Yeah. And then I, I have to ask Axel, in, in the introduction to Street Smart Chess, you of course thank um, our friends at Quality Chess, um, Grandmaster Shaw and uh, Grandmaster Agard, and for, for publishing all of your books. Although I know that Woodpecker Method in particular has sold so many copies that I'm sure they're, and your books are so good that I'm sure they're, they're happy to sell them. But you say your next book is going to be uh, sort of even more out there. So I have to ask like, uh, what you have in mind. Yeah, I, I got this question once before, and then I couldn't even remind what I was <laughs> thinking of <laughs> because I wrote this preface, I think, a year and a half ago. It was oh, a long wow. time ago. Oh wow! Okay. But uh, but now I I think I I was thinking of a book uh, with the title Climate Gamebit to gather some openings and make a repertoire, but and uh, find some quite strange connections to climate. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. But and are you still thinking of doing that, or do you and, have something else in mind now? Uh, no, I'm not uh, thinking of this idea anymore. Actually, I'm writing a book uh, about uh, 
Swedish champion uh, in 1967, who had a brilliant career, but very short. He, he quit chess just a few years uh, later, but he had an interesting life as well. Oh, but, interesting. Uh, th that would, book will be in Swedish, so it's, okay. it will not really be for a broad uh, audience. Yeah, and, and you mentioned um, in our emails that you primarily learned English um, through reading chess books, which um, your, your English is great, by the way. Um, but it made me wonder, do you write in English or do you write in Swedish for uh, these no, books? I, I write in uh, English. Okay. But, but I edit myself a lot. Yeah, so so that's why I prefer to to write instead of uh, like doing a podcast like here. <laughs> it's right. nice to be here, but uh, the possibility to change what you have written over and over again—it's I, I like that. Yeah, well, I I, I and the listeners appreciate you doing this because um because we've got a, a lot of fans um a lot of fans of your books, um, listening myself included. Um, so I also. I also was, so your next project is going to be this biography um, and you're writing about the candidates right now, which, which will be already out. So we won't speculate about the, the world championship. Um, so what kind of stuff when you write for the, the Swedish chess periodicals, what kind of stuff are you covering the news or are you writing like um, improvement articles or all of the above? Uh, it's only four issues per year, so you can't really have much news. Everything is already old uh, when the magazine comes to the people. So I try to do some uh, more some longer text about players, about tournaments, but not really about a specific event. To try to find things that you cannot find in the internet. Oh, interesting. Uh, and of course, I'm not writing the whole magazine. I'm also editing it and uh, getting articles from other uh, writers. Well. Okay. And I get the sense from your writing, you know, you're talking about players like Niels Grandelius, who uh, you've, you know, obviously, um, and um, uh, Tiger Halap Person. Um, I get the sense it's a pretty close-knit grandmaster community in Sweden, but I don't, I don't have a strong sense what, what the chess culture is like there more broadly. What, how is the chess culture in Sweden? Uh, I think it's good. Uh, for, for me, I was fortunate to live in Lund, where we had a lot of ambitious players, and four of them became uh, GMs uh, in, in the same uh, time period. And we also have some other GMs joining us. Uh, but I think it's good. Uh, the federation is quite active with chess in schools and also for the elite players. Uh, we had weekend tournaments, so there is a lot of online uh, tournaments as well. No, I think it's good for, for the player who want to live uh, on chess. Maybe a problem is that uh, Swedes are not used to pay for their trainers. So it's difficult to live, uh, to make a living as a trainer in Sweden. There is no culture to, to pay for such things. So what, how is it arranged? Like they, it's just expected to be done without compensation? Uh, yeah, the, the clubs have some trainers and uh, this is done on a voluntary basis normally. Oh, not, uh, I, I like this system, but it's for the professional players, it's harder. Yeah, yeah, that, that, does, sound, um, that, that does sound pretty challenging. Um, so I've only got a couple more questions for you, Axel. One is um, I often like to ask my 
the podcast guests uh, for for their own favorite chess books. What what were some of some of your favorites? Uh, okay, I liked uh, Marines Learning from the Legends. Yeah, uh, a lot. Uh, I should read it again when I when I think about it. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of books uh, I like. Uh... Yeah, Grandmaster Naroditsky also is a big fan of Learn from the Legends. That's a that's another one that I've I've heard recommended so much. I really I really need yeah. to read it. There um, is a, I, I think another Willie Hendricks maybe. Yeah, he, I'm a big fan. I yeah I got to interview him as well, but a big fan of both uh, Move First Think Later and um, on the art yeah, of yeah, good move. Yeah, that Move First Think Later. That was the title I was thinking about. Yeah. That yeah. was a, a splendid book, I think. Yeah, I agree. Very very original. Um, and our so we were we were discussing our kids before we started recording. You've got um, a three and a five year old, so they're a bit young. But are they doing any chess yet? Uh, the, the three-year-old is uh, chatting while we others are playing chess. He's, he, he, when you listen to him, he, he, you, you will think he's a chess player. He can say, oh, the, the knight should jump and uh, oh, the, the king should advance. But he cannot play. He don't know the rules at all. He's just listening to the talk and repeating the same things. Huh. Uh, but our, our daughter, who is seven, she has just started to play. Okay, and last thing. So, of course, you've mentioned you, you have interests outside of chess. So, what else is occup occupying your time besides uh, chess and family, Axel? Uh, yeah, I think my my main interest is running uh, the marathon. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm running like uh, 20 kilometers a day. So, I think I spend uh, more time running than working. Wow, every day? Uh, yeah, more, mostly. Does how does your does your body wear down? Uh, okay, I, I I did not start from scratch. I built up uh, during several years, and when I started, I I started to run because I thought it was good for my chest, for concentration and focus and uh, all that. But then, yeah, I, I enjoyed running, and it's also good that it's. So different to chess. In chess, you use your brain. You you just sit there, and uh, when I run, I cannot use my brain at all. So I, I like this uh, contrast. Yeah, um, probably a good time for um, ideas to to gestate to to grow. Um, so, uh, when you run, are you like an? Do you listen to music or audiobooks or podcasts, or are you just alone in in nature? For all those hours. Yeah. Uh, for now, we have a lot of friends here in uh, in my city. I'm running together with, so we're, we're discussing. Uh, oh, okay. Thanks. Yeah. Sounds good. So, Axel, before before we let you go, I, we we got your four sort of improvement tenets along with play tournaments um, from pump up your rating. But do you have any sort of uh, closing advice for for our listeners, uh, whether it be chess or life advice? Uh, in chess, I would say just enjoy. Maybe that was not so much mentioned in Pump Up Your Rating. And for myself, I was—I think I was too, too ambitious, uh, too strict, and too hard with myself uh, back then. So nowadays, I enjoy chess more, and I think, yeah, you can do it, and you can get results in the same time. And uh, what I've learned from chess, maybe it's just to live cheaply. Uh, uh, when you travel around, you don't have much things. You can yeah, just live with your laptop and uh, maybe a few clothes, maybe not. <laughs> and uh, I think this way of living, it's, it's so easy. You, uh, and nowadays, for me, 
as I said, uh, we don't buy any things uh, mostly, so we need we we don't even need an income. For me, I can I can stop working now and I can stop working for three years, four years. I'm not I'm free. That's because uh, woodpecker method is a smash hit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, but it's I, I could I could wish. <laughs> well, your success is well-deserved, Axel, in any event. Um, as I said, big fan of your books. Definitely recommend um, listeners check them out, especially listeners rated, uh, say, over 1,600. But uh, I look forward to more projects in the future. Um, and if if anyone wants to reach you, Axel, you don't seem to be too active on any uh, social media. Is, are, is your information public, or you do you prefer to uh, to keep that information private? Uh, I think uh, my email, I have a uh, website, schackstudion.com. Uh, maybe schackstudion is not so easy to spell because it's Swedish. That's okay. I'll find it and uh, and put a link to and it. I, so. I think uh, my email is there. Yeah, it, oh. it is there. Okay. All right. So it'll be a bit of a hunt for anyone who wants to email you, but we'll, but we'll put it in there. So, so Gr Grandmaster Smith, thank you again for, for all of your contributions to chess literature. And thanks for, um, thanks for taking the time for this interview. Yeah. And thanks. Nice to be here. Nice to, to talk to you. Okay. Take care. Yeah. For you as Bye. well. Bye-bye. Thanks, as always, to my producer, Matthew Passy. Thanks to you all for listening. And thanks to those of you who help spread the word, whether it be positive reviews on podcast platforms, telling friends, social media, all that stuff helps get the word out and it is much appreciated. By the way, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at BennyFischel1. You can join the Perpetual Chess Facebook group to continue the conversation, sometimes even with that week's guests. The Perpetual Chess Instagram page is back in action as well at Perpetual Chess. And you can also find all these links on the Perpetual Chess webpage, perpetualchesspod.com. But of course, the main purpose of these closing credits is to thank everyone who supports Perpetual Chess financially. Without you all, we would not be able to put out such a consistent and hopefully quality product. So thanks so much. It really means the world to me. And in particular, I would like to give thanks to the following people and entities, starting off with my friends at chessable.com. Aside from that, I would like to thank David Lazarus of lasmanchess.com. He is the coach of Dave's Young Tigers on Lee Chess, our friends at Quality Chess Books, the Capital City Chess Club, the Abysmal Depths of Chess blog, Adapta Interactive Web Designs and Services, the Apprentice Twitch channel, Anidi Deer, Austin Clough, Benjamin Porto, Bill Sigler, Kathy Carr, Chad Oliver, the Charlotte Chess Center, the Chess Essentials Chess blog, chessmood.com, Chris Flanagan, Chris Lott, Dan O'Hanlon, Daniel He, Danny Davidson, David Schreiber, I am Dimitri Schneider, I am Eric Rosen, Eric Tam, Ewan Richardson, Farhan Thawar, Faraz Sawaf, Gary Foreman, Glenn Downing, Greg Harfst, Greg Shahadi, Gregory Gullick, Guvin Manet, James Holyhead, James Kennedy, Jeff Martinson, Jens Green, Jeremy Nielsen, John Jernigan, John Rockefeller, John MacArthur, Kelly Palmer, Kevin O'Callaghan, King Selt, the King's Crusher YouTube channel, 
one of the original chess YouTube channels, Lucio Casada Silva, the law offices of Stuart Katz, Matthew Feeney, Michael Can, FM Michael Oblin, Mike Zelazny, Mr. Mike Shahadi, the legendary Mr. Dodgy, the Nerd Nase Twitch channel, GM Peter Prohaska, Peter Sodhi, the Playmore Chess Academy of the Hamden Chess Club, Reuven Fisher, Reverend Roy Fry, the Seattle Chess Club, Shane Unger, Stefan Kelty, Stephen Martinez, Sven Gerson, Thomas Stanix, Thomas Tachenko, Todd Bryant of Strong Chess, Todd Kennedy, the Vintage Patsers, which is a chess.com improver group. You can look them up. Wayne Bean, William Hogarth, and I also would like to thank Aaron Waffler, Ace Viega, Adam Ralph of ChessEngland.com, Adrian Gutierrez, Al Hastings, Alan and Maggie Sue, Alex Pejas, Alexander Markovics, Antonio Cancino, FM Andre Tarakov, Dr. Andrew Perry, Angus McLeod, Barry Hessian, Bill Juniper, Bill Moran, Bill Trammell, Brad and Andy Rosen, Brett Howard Lynn, Brian Chase, Brian Mullis, Bruce Scott, Brian Tillis of Palm Beach Chess, Cameron Davis, Chad Hilton, Chess Potzer Spain, Dr. Charles Snodgrass, Chris Wainscott, Christopher Baumgartner, Christopher Shabri, Christopher Wood, I am Christoph Zalecki, also known as Chess Explained, Coach Jay's Chess Academy, Corey Budson, Costa Carras, Courtney Fry, Craig Mallon, Daniel Ginsberg, Daniel Naylor, Dave Saylor, David Bleskacek, David Brown, David Hamblin, David Cramley, Dalen Shelton, Dennis Parrish, Dirk Decker, FM Donnie Ariel, Dwayne Edmonds, Ed Daly, Ed Mead, Emmanuel Langual, Robitai, Ethan Smith, Hallelujah Cat, Ian Mason, Fide Arbiter, Arbiter, Arbiter excuse me, Felipe Melo Perdera, Fox Valley Chess Club, Francis Letarte Lavoie, Frank Tor- Dr. Frank Tortoris, Frank Zanani, Gary Andrews, Gary Lewis, Gautam Narula, Geert Vandervelde, Gene Stewart, George Harris, Giovanni Russo, Han Shute, Harish Srinivasan, Howard Vihan, Jacob Kovac, Jason Apollo, Jason Murray, Jacques Pari, James Aspinwall, James Benastia, James Muir, Jason Woolham, J. Deep Chakrabarty, Jeff Anderson, Jeffrey Martello, Yep Hoyland, Jerry Wells, Jesse Dacumos, Jesse McNulty, Jim Ratliff, Joe DeSano, Joe Valdez, Joel Thomas Ramos, John Tooley, Juan Almaguar, Dr. John Fallon, John Fernandez, John Fontaine, John Hartman of U.S. Chess, John Jeffrey, John McMurtry, Jonathan Slater, John Quist, John Tully, Jose Rodriguez, Justin Gardner, Jen Shahadi, Joel Rocky, John Thompson, GM Josh Friedel, I am Kare Christensen, WGM Katarina Nemsova, Kelly Palmer, Kevin Pryor, I am Kostya Kovutsky of the Chess Dojo, Krishna Gopala Krishnan, Kyle McAvoy, Larry Cook, Larry Ryforth, Laura Belyovsky, Macaulay Peterson, Mark Fitzpatrick, Mark Miller, Mark Wilkins, Marco Bulatovich, Martin Knudsen, Martin Krug, Matthew Passy, Matthew Tedesco of SeattleChessMeetup.org, Matthias Plock, Mechanics Institute Chess Club of San Francisco, Michael Allard, Michael Hudson, Mike Clem, Mitchell Fabian, Nate Gobel, Nate Solon, Neil Bruce, Nigmat Malijanov, Nicholas Isabel, Olaf Mueller-Michaels, GM Pascal Charbonneau, Passy Passanen, Paul Bain, Paul Clarkson, Paul Sweeney, Paulo Santana, Peter Lux, Queenside Management Limited in Switzerland, Randy Temple, Ricky Grahava, Richard Hollenbach, Richard Tucker, Robert Callahan, Robert Titi, Robert Turner, Rory Coleman, Rory Yearwood, Ryan Berg, 
the Say Chess YouTube channel, Scott McKinnon, Scott Shepard, Sean Krause, Sebastian Finsterwater, Walter, Sergey Magacon, Seth Ruzicka, Shane Unger, Silver Knights Enrichment, Stefan Roller, WGM Tatia Vabrahamian, Tim Brennan of TacticsTime.com, Tim Seymour, Timothy Ha, FM Timothy Wall, Tom Edsel, Tomas Komanich, Tony Rattel, Tyron Price, Vishnu Srikumar, William Brock, William Peterson, FM Zhao Chang of Chess1000.com, and last but never least, Zhivko Stoyanov. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we will catch you all next week. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus.